Welcome back to another episode of the More Love Podcast. I'm really delighted today to have Anne Olson with me sharing the line. Hello, Anne. Hello. Good morning. I'm really excited to share with you her book. It's called Surrender to the Stillness. I have just one chapter left to go in the book, Anne. I'm kind of saving it. It's such a beautiful book and I've really found it, um, for the listeners, you've heard me talk about A Course of Love in the past and we've had an episode with Marie Perron and others who are fans of A Course of Love such as James Willis and Lana Carolan. And, uh, and your book feels like a really condensed version of A Course of Love. That's how it feels to me. Yes, I've heard others express the same, have the same opinion. And it's really direct. You published it in 2019. It's extremely current and it's really beautiful. Uh, yes, because for me, the source of it is where the beauty comes in the, the words of Jeshua, which I, I've been honored to scribe. Many people refer to Yeshua as Jesus. I know him as Jeshua because that's what is asked to be, to be called. And I really think it's quite irrelevant whether you call him Jesus or Yeshua or Yeshua ben Joseph. That was his ref reflects back to his life. He lived on this planet, but I feel he's something much greater than that life. You know, he's a very powerful, gigantic, if you like, presence. Um, and he's supported by, by many others as well. So... Yeshua is the name by which he's asked to be called, and I honour that. I think that's lovely. I, and I also really love that you've pointed out he's supported by many others. And Yes, we're all one, and he doesn't stand alone. And nor do we. No, definitely not. <laughs> we're all part of it. We're all part of the greatness that we know as the one. Yeshua speaks of the Christ Council, which is a group that supports them. And really, he doesn't see them as below them or apart from him, that they really function, it seems to me, as one unit, speak the same, speak the same language. So, and it's the language of love. And there's great wisdom that comes from them all. Even when I receive my personal messages, I never know who will be speaking, if it's Jeshua or if it is some other. But the words are always wise and beautiful and carry the resonance of peace. In our last podcast episode with Judy Carroll, we talked about being able to tell the difference between the true source of source, I guess, or, or love or Christ consciousness and another, I guess, an untrue source or the, the mind, lowercase m, mind. And, and it really comes down to feeling that peace and love and expansion, doesn't it? Yes, yes. And because I went through this process myself of this deep questioning, when I began to hear this voice, it had with such profound wisdom, and I really had to question, where is this coming from? And when I shared it with friends, they all doubted it. You know, they thought this is this is just my ego talking. But when I began to experience the extraordinary peace that it brought me, and the wisdom, and t teaching me things, and presenting me with ways of looking at problems that I've never even conceived, 
I saw that it was something other than ego, something far beyond it and far greater and more beautiful. Would you tell us a little more about how you came to to share your life with Christ Council? Yes, well, I suppose it, it, it began, I suppose I have been searching for God for the greater part of my life. Yes, and it would be a searching uh, and not a finding in, in my early days. I was looking because I was looking for him outside myself. When I came upon the Course in Miracles, uh, it had an extraordinary influence on me and really changed my whole perspective. And I started to really try to live the precepts that it was teaching. And one of the things it spoke of was the need to hear the voice for God, to make decisions with the voice for God. And so I started to literally go within. And I read a little book, which is I've never been able to discover since, but it was just called Listening. And it's all about how literally how to listen to the words of God. And with the aid of that little book, I started to literally hear this this loving and joyful presence that became the one I knew as Jeshua. It was really life changing for me because I thought I thought, wow, this is speaking in the same language as the course. So it was literally a sort of um an aha timer. It was really quite overwhelming for me initially. And I started to scribe down things that I was hearing. And literally, it's filled exercise books. You know, I've many, many stashed away with beautiful messages. Often, whenever I had a personal problem in my life, I would just go to the voice for guidance. And, and always, always did I receive an answer. It may not have been the answer that I sought, but it was always one that brought me a sense of peace and acceptance, for which I was very, very grateful. And, I, and th- this expanded in a way when I was studying a way of mastery, because I came to the, I came to a point where I let go of the Course in Miracles, as the Course itself suggests. And in discovering a way of mastery, I. It just strengthened the whole process again and took me deeper. And I, and ultimately, I was told that I needed to write a book. Uh, and even though I was very resistant to this initially, I ultimately we be, it began, and and the journey took me first to the surrender of stillness, and now to the second book, which will soon to be published, which is. The ascendance of love. So perfect. Just what we need right now. Yes. I think it's this knowing that we have to choose love over fear and have the confidence to choose love over fear, to listen to our heart and to vow to do nothing that will not bring us that sense of peace. This is what Yeshua asks us to do, to literally vow to do nothing that does not bring us that sense of peace. It makes life so much simpler. It absolutely does. Mm. The very first chapter of your book is love, and the very second chapter is fear. Straight to the core of the juxtaposition immediately. 
Mm. <laughs> I'd really love to read the first page of of the book. Would that be okay? Yes. Yes. So this is the first page of the first chapter of Surrender to the Stillness and the chapter title is Love. Love is all there is. And because only love is real, only love can nurture and heal. Your gift to the world is love. Your loving presence is the light that shines out constantly upon your world. Even when you see it not, even when you deny it, it continues to shine glorious, gloriously from the heart of your being. This is your reality. The ego does not see the love that is ever-present in each and every creation the Father has brought forth. It fears love because it knows it is its undoing. The false cannot withstand the power of the real. The illusory perceptions of the ego would persuade that you that your problems are real and that error and evil exist. Thus the ego generates suffering and projects its pain out into the world in the form of judgment and blame. It defies the wisdom of the heart and clings to its insane concepts because this is what gives it a deceptive sense of reality. You can choose to live by the tenets of the ego or you can choose to live in the power and presence of love. We continue to stress that you are the one that must make this decision for love. No one else can do it for you. The power of choice resides within you and can never be taken from you. No longer can you delay this decision. Procrastination will not serve you now because the forces of change and evolution are demanding that only those committed to love will travel with the planet into the new paradigm. That's just an incredibly power-packed first page, Anne. (laughs) And it's a wonderful blessing that we've been offered, I think, to receive these messages and to learn and grow from them. It just raises so much that very first page is talking about how it's only we can make the choice. Yes. As he, as he says, no one else can do this for you. You know, it, it, it really is. It's up to us. We, we've been taught that somehow we could, you know, read this book or study this course or go to this guru. But Jesh was asking us to let all that go. Just let it all go and to go within and trust in our own inner wisdom because it's in our heart that wisdom lies. The power of choice definitely resides within us and nobody can take it from us. But ultimately, when we really begin to see the light, if if I can use that word, we see it becomes a choiceless choice. You know, there there really is no decision because only love is real and it's the only choice, it's the only sane choice to make is to choose to live in love, to live as who we really are because love is what we are. 
The choiceless choice. I love that. It's so true. Mm. In the previous episode with Judy Carroll, she talked about the more access to consciousness we have, the more the duality or the seeming duality just disappears because it becomes more of that choiceless choice. God's will becomes our will. Yes, and I think once we begin to do this, life becomes so much easier and we don't have to continually look, you know, question even, am I living from love or fear? It just becomes natural. It just becomes easy and simple. And we really, it really is such a joy to acknowledge who we truly are and to live in, the, in that what he calls the power and presence of love and to give up seeking outside ourselves in looking for for wisdom or strength from something beyond ourselves. Give up trying to understand. That's a big one. You know, we, we, we do try to understand, and we think it's only the ego that really wants to understand because the spirit trusts and just rests in love as love. You know, as Jeshua says in this on this page, progress, procrastination will not serve you now. And I think that's so true because there is only this moment in time we can make that decision. We don't have to look to the future. I often think, oh, you know, oh, the cry is, I'll wake up sometime in the future. But now is the time. It's to do this now, not tomorrow or next day, but truly to live in love right now. Make that decision for love now. It's absolutely true. We have this idea that it's a future event and we're working towards it. It's an absolute trick of the ego. Yes, because and because the future never comes, it's only the ego that seeks to wake up because in truth we're already awake. And that's what self-realization is, is to realize ourself, if you like, with a capital S, that we're already awake. We're already there. We're all, already all we can be. We don't have to be anything else than be right here and now. And I think that's wonderful. We need to give up looking for God outside ourselves now and just literally embrace the truth of who we are right here and right now. Even if you're driving listening to this podcast, you could put your hand on your heart and just feel your heartbeat. Bring yourself into the present moment and continue doing what you're doing. Yes. It's not even about spending a lot of time in meditation, though, you know, I'd highly recommend that. Jeshua has, I think, two chapters in the book where he calls us to rest in the stillness. But remember, we can be at peace in whatever situation we are in. Just say driving a car, doing the washing up, talking to a neighbor across the fence. We can be at peace simply by letting go of all thought of fear, just resting in the being the truth of who we are, the love that we are. You know, Jeshua tells us that love is literally the foundation of the world and that only love is real. And I think it's really worthwhile to sit and dwell on that. What does that really mean? 
Only love is real. And only love can nurture and heal. And that love is within us at all times. No, it's it's such a joy, such a joy to know that, to, to think that we can live that. And the very reason I started this podcast. Mm. Would you share with us a little bit about your journey of, of coming to know this to be so true? Yes, yes. As, as you say, it is an unlearning. People think there's something they've got to get, but there's actually nothing to get. It's more about an undoing, you know. It's removing the obstacles, the presence of love within us. It's as simple as that. And I think for me in my journey, I think this is what this is what I'm experiencing and continue to experience. It's really about letting go more and more and starting to see the ploys of the ego and the way it tries to manipulate my world and my thinking. And not judging the ego, but just letting it go, but starting to see that love shines in me and in everyone and everything. As best I've had a lot of mystical experiences, if you if I can call them that. And there's been many. I could probably write a book about those, but I feel every one has been a gift to me and has purpose and meaning because it's shown me something. You know, from a very early age, I think I was only 19 at the time, I experienced my first out-of-body experience. And I remember finding myself suspended above the bed and I could see my body lying down. It seemed far below me on the bed. It was a revelation to me because I realized I'm not my body. I'm something more than that. And that was the beginning, I think, and starting to see that I'm something far greater, far greater. And I had many, many more sort of experiences like that, sometimes just being in the presence of, I remember when my mother was dying and I was in hospital with her, and I could literally feel, I can only call it the presence of God in the room. And it was awesome, and it was huge. And it really was so big and so great. It was, uh, I, I just feel it lost for words to try to describe it because you can't describe a lot of these experiences that we have. We all have at different times. But each one, I think, is leading us slowly to that unraveling of the letting go of removing those, those barriers to the love that we are, to seeing the truth of who we are. I definitely think words. They constrain the fullness of what we're talking about sometimes, or at least it feels like that. Yes, yes, I entirely agree. Words are inadequate. You know, we use words like love or, or God or even peace, but it's very difficult to describe it. When you really rest in that deep peace that Jeshua calls the peace beyond all understanding, you know, it's it's – exquisite but you can't describe it you can't describe love i remember i used to think i knew what love was i had an experience once in my work i was treating a client and i had felt such depth of compassion for him in his grief that i was literally experienced had an experience of love like i've never had 
before or since, but taught me that love is something far greater than we think it is. It's really, <laughs> it, it's so immense and beautiful. Uh, again, I'm lost for words. I can't describe it. I can't, there's no way I could describe what I, I felt when I was in his presence and the presence of this man who was suffering. But yes, words are very inadequate. I guess that's why sometimes it's easier to describe what it's not. It's much easier to describe what conditional love is and how it's false than it is to describe what unconditional love is and yes. in its entirety. Love shines like a light. No, it's it's just beautiful and literally lights up our whole world. I had an experience once of, I suppose, I call it my awakening experience for want of a better word. I'd been reading some of Ajishanti's books at the time. I literally had an experience where I was in such a state of bliss and joy that I just laughed and laughed and laughed. And I thought, thought it all had to do with my thinking and how restricted my thinking was. And for it probably lasted for about half an hour. But I was in so, filled with so much joy and at the simplicity of it all, the simplicity of, of seeing the right way, um, of seeing clearly, of seeing the truth of who I am and what the world is for. And I just, I literally laid there and laughed and laughed for pure joy. And unfortunately, it slowly, slowly faded, but I realized too, it was just another experience showing me what is real. And I had to let go wanting to repeat it or let, let go clinging to it. Or, that just creates expectations. And I think expectations are not helpful. You talked about the out-of-body experience and that awakening experience of laughing. And one of the things for the podcast, previous episodes, that we've discussed near-death experiences and, and other types of spiritual experiences um, receiving angelic voices and different range of experiences. But I guess one of the points I was trying to make is that it's different for everyone. And it, I never made it explicit, but part of that was, was, as you just said, letting go of the expectation because, well, it just doesn't serve us, does it? And, no. and we are all different and we receive and give differently as well. We're all very unique expressions of that one source of love. Yes. That's, that's, there's a great beauty in that too. And also reflects the great expansiveness of creation, you know, the, the wonder of creation. You know, Jesuit tells us that even though he regards this world as an illusion, and yet within that illusion we can learn to love. We can learn to appreciate the truth of who we are. Something I'd like to, to mention, if I might, is there's a chapter in the book called The Innocence of the Ego. And I think it's helpful to just mention that now because a lot of us see the ego as the demon. Yes. And the, the ego is almost the enemy, almost. It's perceived as 
something we've got to fight against or resist or undo. And Jeshua calls on us to actually see the innocence of the ego. It's just a concept. It has no reality in itself, but just one in which we've come to believe. We've come to believe that's who we really are. And if we judge the ego, we're really judging ourselves. But if we can just see beyond that to see it's actually just all innocent. There's nothing to fight against, nothing to resist. And it's the same thing. It comes back to whatever situation the ego might give rise to, whatever emotions that might, that might give rise to, we can just allow it. There's great power in allowing just, and then ultimately to surrendering, but just allowing things to be just as they are, not feeling that we must save ourselves or save the world. We can just be totally in allowance, just accept what is. It does not mean we might not be guided at some point to act in a certain way. But in the moment, just to allow, not to resist. Fear is born of resistance. And we want to undo the fear and just rest in love. But love accepts. You know, it's love that causes us to literally be in allowance, to allow all things and to trust all things. I know you haven't read the last chapter, but it's one of my fa- it's one to one of my favourites. Of course, that's why I'm saving it's, it. It's, it's it's quite short, but there's this is something that was brought to mind. It says as you take these last steps towards the light, do not be concerned if the ego, fearing its own demise, seems to scream at you more loudly than before. In desperation, will it aggressively assert that its world is real and precepts are true? But darkness always retreats before the light, and the part of the mind still hampered by egoic thought has no option but to yield to reality. I think this is important because a lot of people in their journey, they feel often come to a point of hopelessness or feeling they're getting nowhere or things seem to be worse than ever. And, and I think it's good to remember just just to trust and just that the ego does that. When it feels itself threatened, it will start to scream and protest and defend its perception more loudly. So it's a constant choosing of love. It's not like you do it once and the job's done. <laughs> Yes. Perhaps I should say it hasn't been that way for me. For me, often it it comes back to a choice of choosing not to be defensive. Yes. Choosing not to see there's something wrong. Choosing, and if someone comes at me angry and judgmental of me, you know, I can see that as their call for love and I can have compassion. Because that's all anything is. That's what Yeshua tells us repeatedly, that any act is only an expression of love or call for love. And I think when we can start to see this, that when someone is floundering, 
when they're going through dark moments, when they're lonely or despairing, when they're lashing out some angry at someone else. It really is just their call for love. And they don't understand it. They, are, they often feel quite justified in their judgment of another. I think it's just to allow that and love them anyway. That's why for me it's often just that, that choice in that moment to see that they're calling for love and to choose not to be defensive. Because we, we can't be hurt by anything outside of ourselves, literally. It's our, but we can choose to allow something to give rise to feelings of hurt within us or anger or sorrow or despair or whatever. But it still comes back to a choice. We're not a victim of anything or anyone. And that really is a very empowering thing. When you really realize that you can't be a victim, it gives you the, it gives you back your power to make a different choice. But if you wallow in suffering, if you wallow in victimhood, you've got nowhere to go but down into the darkness. The moment you can see, uh, I can't be hurt, that I am truly the, the, the child of God, the holy child of God, and truly the presence of love, it just sets you free. And I think that's the most wonderful thing. Yes, and what we're being called to do, really, or to know, so that we can experience a whole new way of being collectively. Yes. Yes. In the Descendants of Love, the book that is to come, Joshua talks a lot about the new new earth, what he calls the new earth. It is what is predicted for the world, what, what is coming in the future, if, if we can even talk of the future. It's about us. We, we're the ones who are going to create it. Again, nobody else can do this for us. We have to do it. And we do it by choosing love in every moment, by relinquishing fear, by relinquishing the need to suffer, because we don't realize how attached we are to suffering. The ego loves to suffer, gives an excuse to blame something outside of itself in its innocence. But we can choose to recognize that suffering too is an illusion. But the truth of who we are never suffers. And that again, it just sets us free. Quite often recently, a line, I i don't know which book this line comes from, but it could be yours, Anne, or it could be another. But uh, the line is, humans are the happiest when they can find something to blame. <laughs> in in the and it's alluding to that sense of you know if we can blame something then we we feel like we're in more control somehow you know it's a complete trick of the lowercase mind or the ego mind um yes. it's it's definitely not our true state of being but every mm. now and well quite often recently as i read the news or 
watch what's going on around me in the world, it it seems very evident. You know, there's a a chapter in the book on unworthiness, and I think it's particularly pertinent. Yes, because I think unworthiness is epidemic in our society. But we don't realize how this too is a choice. And, you know, when we be, we believe ourselves unworthy, we really cast a shadow over our whole life. And it limits our joy and our laughter. And it definitely limits our ability to love ourselves and recognize who we are. And as Jeshua says, if we can't love ourselves, how can we love another? And I think it really is helpful in that to start to re- appreciate the effects of our conditioning in this society and how it's shaped our thinking and to rise above it, you know, tra- transcend a lot of that old conditioning that seems so impregnated in our, into our very being. One thing that Jeshua speaks a lot about in this book and, and in the sense of love is our need to let go all beliefs. We don't realize how beliefs hamper us. And this is one thing that's very useful to just observe ourselves and observe where we are literally acting out of a belief that really is no truth in reality that is not at one with the truth of who we are as a holy child of God. Beliefs can be very powerful. He asks us to undo all beliefs. He says, you know, don't believe in the power of love. Just be the power of love. It's, it's like it's about being it, not because, but all beliefs are really comes from the ego. It's part of the part of egoic thinking. You know, the ego clings to beliefs and therefore develops a whole liturgy of shoulds and musts. I can remember a time in my life where a large percentage of my life was literally governed by what I should do, what I must do. And it's starting to see beyond that, and there's really nothing we should do. You know, as Jeshua says, we don't even have to go on living. You know, we can choose, we can choose to, but it's not something we have to do. You know, we don't even have to, as he says, we don't even have to love our spouse, but we can choose to love our spouse. But there's literally nothing that we must do or have to do. Because they actually limit us. They limit us. And we are unlimited beings. So it's time to embrace our unlimitedness, not to build narrow little walls around ourselves and restrict ourselves. I think it's wonderful, really, to conceive of who we really are. You know, we'll never understand the great mystery that God is. Well, if somebody can, then I'd love them to share it with me. (laughs) But it's so great and so awesome and so beyond the the capacity of mind that we can experience its beauty and with wonder. 
I, I had an experience what many years ago now when my children were teenagers and I literally probably about, about three months of my life I lived in a state of joy and utter devotion to God and it was the most wonderful thing, you know, and life was so simple and happy. And what pulled me out of it was actually um, my son was coming home from on the train from his school and he failed to turn up at the railway station when I went to meet him. And I barely went in fear. And that fear was so, so overwhelming, it literally took me out of that beautiful state of mind. And... But again, I guess it was revealed, that time revealed something to me. And I still treasure, I still treasure the memory of that time, but I just felt this utter devotion to God, which was blissful until I allowed fear to rise and just demolish it. <laughs> <laughs> I think for those who are parents, the, the, Lana Carolan said it the best. She said, in regards to her daughter, I was, I am the mother. I knew best. <laughs> I was not going to hand her over to God. I had handed myself over years ago, but I was not going to hand her over. <laughs> and um, of course, she understood, came to understand the the, the truth of, of the situation. Hmm. Yes, giving up our beliefs, giving up all that restricts us, giving up all those obstacles to love. That's the path before us. I've actually just discovered a little section of the book I'd like to read oh, please. about beliefs. Yes, please. Um, it's in the chapter on surrender. So, you're asked to give up all your beliefs for all your beliefs are based on the concept of separation. That's something interesting to ponder. All your beliefs are based on the concept of separation. Do you think this statement is too generalized? Do you consider that you can will willingly abandon some of your belief, but that others are perfectly justified? If you protest that you believe in God, I say to you, do not believe in God, but know God. If you protest that you believe in the power of God, I say to you, do not believe in the power of God, but let it live in you. For what, belief, what is a belief but a concept of mind that you have clung to and used to create your experience? In this world you have dreamt up, you believe that change is possible and is occurring about you continually. But what is real is changeless and eternal. You believe you are a body, and you live as if you were a body. But you are not a body. You believe you are separate from your brothers and sisters, but you are not separate from anyone or anything. You believe that it is possible to love one brother and hate another, but love sees no differences and loves all equally. You believe you can experience suffering, but suffering is an egoic illusion. Look about you at the world you see with physical eyes and, and, 
and have believed to be solid and real and ask yourself this question. Am I seeing clearly? Am I seeing with the eyes of Christ? That's a really good question to ponder, isn't it? And this is why he says that surrender calls for the death of all you have known, all your creeds and opinions, all your assumptions and interpretation. So that's what we're asked to do. I really enjoyed that part of the book. Mm-hmm. It made me realize that I still had beliefs about love and truth. Whilst they were aligned to the truth, they were still not facilitating me being the truth, I guess. It's hard yes. to say. If other, until we give up our beliefs, we still feel the world should be a certain way. We think things should be a certain way what we believe in, and therefore we strive to control it. But trying to control events is really absurd. (laughs) It gets us nowhere. And it becomes, because we can't control events, it becomes not only fruitless but painful. The absurdity of the... COVID situation across the world and particularly in Australia really exemplifies that, don't you think? Yes. The attempts to control have become excessively absurd. To me, it's like this giant screenplay, if you will, can't think of a better word, of the very thing that we're talking about. It's like a giant screenplay of how ridiculous it is to live from the ego mind Yes. Without all, all based on fear. All based on fear. Yeah. Yes. All based on fear. We're all just expressing a call for love. Yes. <laughs> yes, well said. Thank you. <laughs> and we do feel uh unloved in those fearful moments of our lives. We feel isolated. I guess I've come to believe that we're never isolated. No, you know, in we, truth we're not. We, we, yes, these feelings arise. And then it's good to, to question what is feeling isolated? Who is it that's feeling isolated? It is very easy to slip into that pattern. But I think it's just really, really wise in that time just to question who is, what is it in me that's really feeling, feeling isolated? Is it really the truth of who I am? Because we're literally never alone. I think this is one great blessing that I've received over these years from my communications with Joshua because I know it, it's just, it just takes a quiet moment for me to connect and I can feel his presence or the presence of one other of the, the, what I think of as the Christ Council. And it'll always remind me of the truth. You know, the ego is very powerful. I can see this so often, even those who are in myself and as well, but in, and those who are, who are seeking the truth. 
but we really it's really helpful to to see the way the ego plays a part in our lives and dominates our thinking the ego isn't real it's something that we've believed in and it's just another another belief that we are are this we can be small or limited but we are in truth love and this is what I think we have to continually remind ourselves of the truth of who we are. Whatever arises in our life, just remember that we are love, created in love. Love is not something we have to attain, you know. We Relationship even is not something we have to attain, but Love is who we are. It's the essence of our being. And there's nothing we need to do, nothing we need to perfect. We were indeed created in the image of our Father. Isn't that not a wonderful thing? Isn't that an extraordinary thing to ponder? You know, we may wander lost in this this dream world they've created on this planet, but... um it's so worthwhile just to stop, you know, just stop, come home to ourselves and realize that the truth, the truth of who we are, this whole belief in aloneness or being isolated really comes back to that belief that we're a body, that we, we believe in separation. And that's, that's the, where it all begins in that belief in separation. Only if we believe we are a body, you know, functioning within the limitations of time and space, could we possibly believe that we could be alone, alone from other bodies. You know, but unfortunately that belief in separation gives rise to so many other things that are undesirable. You know, it gives rise to our need for safety and security. It gives rise to our unconscious guilt, which we then try to project outward onto others. But when we really recognize our own innocence and we're truly one with the Father, that we cannot fail to see it in others. I found it to be a really joyful experience seeing it in others, particularly uh, just walking down the street or at the markets or wherever I am. Just something insignificant it might seem at the time, but it it's that recognition of the Christ within. Yes. Yes. And it's joyful and it's freeing mm-hmm. and it doesn't contain yes. any burden. Yes, the, the, the outer world, what we call the outer world, is always mirrors what is within us. You know, Jeshua tells us when we want only love, that's what we'll see. We'll see only love. You know, that, that's an extraordinary statement. It's when we want only love, we'll see only love. You know, I, I Yesterday I went for a little wander along the beach near here and and went for a little swim. And I was just so happy. Everything was so beautiful. You know, and everyone around me seemed happy. 
the dogs on the beach that were running free and everybody seemed happy. And I, I don't think I've ever had such an example of how the outer world mirrors the inner because I was happy. Just what I saw in the world was happy. It was something of a revelation because it just really reminded me very powerfully, yes, what I see out there is just a mirror of what's going on inside of me. Yeah, and that's why when we change our mind about something, we change about mind. Um, you know, it's, it, there's a line from A Course in Miracles, which I always love, and it says, the holiest spot on earth is where an ancient hatred has become a present love. There's such beauty in those words. The holiest spot on earth is where an ancient hatred has become a present love. So that's what Jeshua is calling us to do. It's just to abandon all our personal agendas, you know, give up trying to, to change the world, to fix the world, or manipulate the behavior of others, and, and just walk upon this planet free of striving, free of the change in which ego has bound us. Just and just to love and cherish the world as it is. You know that we are literally the presence of love. And that gives us extraordinary power to offer this love to the world. To be the presence of love in every situation. And when someone is calling out for love, to offer it in whatever form seems appropriate at the time. And we might not even say anything. We might simply smile. We might just see them in, as the truth of who they are. It doesn't matter. But to be the present love is a great joy and a great gift we have to offer the world. I think that's, that's, that's wonderful. I think that's something really to treasure. You know, when we truly embrace thought that the Father and I are one, when we truly accept that and we know that the power of love works in us and through us, it's an awesome thing to contemplate. And I, f I feel blessed, personally I feel blessed that we can do this. We can, each and every one of us, act as the presence of love, to be those beacons of light that Jeshua asks us to be, to be beacons of light in a seeming world of darkness. You know, when we look out on the world, it seems a troubled place at the moment. But we can bring our love to it. You know, the biggest thing is to, to love ourselves. Because self-love is, in fact, the gift we offer the world. If we truly love ourselves wholly and see ourselves as the light that we are, it is truly a gift, a gift to everyone else. You know, our love becomes like a, a pebble dropped into a pond and it radiates out. You know, we can never know even what a simple smile can do. 
we can walk along and smile to another and they can be uplifted and they might in turn smile to another. Or it might lift their spirits in some way if they're feeling down. That's our power. That's pretty amazing. It feels extra amazing when we allow it. Well, Anne, this feels like a really beautiful spot to stop the podcast. We've been speaking for about an hour and it's just been divine. <laughs> uh, thank you for the honour of sharing this time with you. It's been a joy. Oh, I think maybe the joy's all mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, perhaps it's shared. Yes, <laughs> we share the love that we are. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for giving me the opportunity to to share this book with, out there with all those who are listening in. Oh, let's talk about that. How does someone get this marvelous book that we're talking about? They can either they can order it directly through me because I always have a batch, or they can order it directly through Lulu. Um. All they need to do is in type, type in lulu.com and type in name of the book, which is Surrender to the Stillness, and it will come up. Fabulous. And uh, I'll always have those links in the show notes page that go with this episode. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which is at livetruetoyou.com. That's it. For this episode of the More Love podcast, it's been absolutely divine, a very spacious, expansive episode that if you listen with an open heart, maybe re-listen if you haven't been able to listen with an open heart and it will drop you straight into this magnificent divine energy of love. Thank you, Anne. Thank you. Thank you, Helen. Been a joy to share this time with you. <laughs>